Welcome to the Life as an Observer podcast. My name is Ryan Bean. I am your host in self-observation. This podcast is an exploration of physical and non-physical self through discussion around yoga, meditation, self-improvement, self-realization, and practices that elevate the mind-body-soul connection. Let's start observing. This episode of Life as an Observer is made possible by patron support. If you'd like to support this program, you can visit patron.podbean.com backslash life as an observer to learn more. Welcome to Life as an Observer. Today I want to walk us through some of the three symptoms of burnout and what the strategies and coping mechanisms are for burnout. If you're feeling a little bit heavy, uh, if you're feeling a little bit overworked, if you're feeling as though you're not performing the way that you would like to show up in your job, in your school life, today's episode might be just for you. Just as a way of identifying probably what you already know but giving you some strategies and maybe some relief that you're not alone. Listen to today's uh, Life as an Observer podcast. We're going to explore three symptoms of burnout and the top strategies to moving forward. While preparing for this podcast today, I actually took about a week off. I don't know if you guys uh, noticed that, but I, I was having some of my own burnout happening. And it can happen to all of us. It can happen to all of us, no matter if you're teaching yoga or if you're working in a, the financial industry. It doesn't really matter. Burnout is something that can be um, available to everyone. And I say available like it's kind of a gift, but it's not. It's actually something that is... Um, just happens. Um, as I was looking through, I usually like to start these with quotes, and I wanted to, to start today with two quotes that are impactful to me. I found one um, by Michael Gungor, and he said that burnout is what happens when you try to avoid being human for too long. <laughs> Bob Marley said, you never know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. The World Health Organization defines burnout as a symptom resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. They identify some symptoms of feeling energy depletion and increased mental distance from one's job. They also say that there is a reduced professional effectiveness. Now, that's all great and fine and dandy. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into what the World Health Organization is talking about and maybe come up with some solutions. And I want to kind of offer to you some of my own stories with burnout today. So the three main symptoms, if you're writing down these ideas, this is the part that you want to write down. So the three main symptoms of burnout in your job or in your school life, um, first is exhaustion. Just, just exhaustion. Are you tired at night? Are you not feeling as though you wake up motivated? 
um, or waking up even just with extra energy to go and face the day, face the job, the school. Just exhaustion or the feelings of fatigue. Now, the second symptom is cynicism and detachment. We're going to dig deep into this here in a minute. But just cynicism and detachment. Detachment maybe from your coworkers, detachment from the work itself, detachment from the customers, and a a slight cynicism. And this is where I relate quite a bit is, is that part. And the third is lack of accomplishment. So that symptom is just almost seeing yourself as a victim at the workplace. I'm not getting the recognition and so forth. We're going to dig deep into these three symptoms today. So what does exhaustion feel like? Well, exhaustion, the first symptom of burnout, feels a lot in the body, right? We feel it in our physical body with maybe body aches, uh, difficulty concentrating. There's, There's this feeling of being drained and just not quite 100%. Maybe there's an irritability or a sleep deprivation, sleep apnea. And I think that this particular symptom is the one that gets treated the most often. But the problem with this feeling of exhaustion is we're treating it with things that may actually perpetuate the problem. We're treating it with things like caffeine, sleep medications, sometimes alcohol and drinking, and we'll talk about that later. Maybe even other things that we kind of consider self-care. However, the self-care to help us detach from our job. So the second symptom is about being detached. So we're using some of these things to move away from what's actually in our present Even if it is self-care, are we running away or are we facing the present moment head on? So cynicism and detachment is the second symptom. And what cynicism and detachment looks like, it's negative outlook on the work. This idea that uh, promotion is not possible, this idea that um, you're not going to grow within the company, that the sale is not going to get made, that the bosses at work, they don't know what they're talking about. If they would only put you in charge, then we would see a a, a change or there would be a better um, outlook for the company. That's just the cynicism that is really much a, a negative outlook. And there is a narrative or an attitude that's kind of around that. That's just like, I'm better than this. I wish you guys would just listen to me, you know, and the loss of enjoyment then follows like where you just don't even think that you fit in and it's, it's frustrating for you to be at work. At that point, isolation kicks in where you're just like, I'm just not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to just going to do my job at its very minimum levels. And then I'm going to go away. So there is this disconnection from others, which sometimes creates conflict. So I want to share with you my story on cynicism and detachment from the corporate workplace. There was a time that I did more than podcasting and yoga and breath work. And I was working in a corporate environment for a startup software company. 
And at first it was all very exciting and very wonderful. And there was all kinds of really neat things of, like you would expect with a startup tech company. We were then acquired um, by another company that was maybe was a little bit more established in the industry, but really a startup too. But they wanted to run their corporation quite a bit different. This created this us versus them mentality. They were in a different city. We were in our little town. We were still wanting to live that startup mentality. And the company, which was in another state, wanted to run it more like what you would expect from a corporation. This created some resentment, some cynicism. And in turn, I think there was a series of events that had to do with not making sales and the, the added pressure on how we needed to make the sales. And there was competitive environment between salespeople. What this did is it, instead of motivating me as a salesperson, it drove me away to want to work less, to spend my time almost daydreaming and not giving all that I can, which in turn made me not meet my goals, my um, sales quotas, and really felt this sense of detachment because then there was a finger being pointed back my direction. So as, a, as an employee, we can recognize that we are feeling detached and we're feeling this, this cynical attitude towards our employment. As an employer, keep that in mind that even though you may think what you're doing by creating you know, games or competitions for sales or other things within your company, you may be creating a detachment from your employees who are not performing. So as an employer, maybe ask yourself, is it better for me to create a competitive environment where people push themselves to excel? Or as a mentor and teacher, do I help them? And not necessarily making the sales or doing the job, but do I help them by getting to know my employees and what motivates them so they don't feel detached, so they don't feel cynical about their employment with my company. <laughs> Very interesting. I had to like think about when you think you're just doing a good job as a boss, but it's not motivating the employees. So with all this, there becomes this lack of accomplishment. And I think that's where it started for me was there was like this loss of productivity and I kind of felt like I wasn't very useful. If I didn't make the sale, then I was just kind of like the guy that didn't make the sale and which re reflected in poor performance. Maybe even motivation on calls and meetings and, you know, you can see so many things in people's body posture and the way they speak and how they dress and show up motivated or not motivated. And there is that lack of accomplishment, which then kind of shows, hey, I'm not, I'm not accomplishing, so why do I even care? And that, this is a very dangerous road. Now, there's other symptoms that come up. These are just the main three. So exhaustion, cynicism, and detachment, and lack of accomplishment. When you start to see those, you know that there's probably burnout happening. It's starting. It's already kind of like started to spin the wheel. But other symptoms that may show up are maybe like 
not taking care of yourself. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Showing up not quite as worried about your appearance. Um, another is not maybe not eating properly. So just a change in, in diet. And maybe even physical symptoms like headaches may start to show up. Now for me, I would find that I would have these, for lack of words, these almost temper tantrums when things didn't go my way. And I don't mean like the sales. I mean like when, you know, the the computer didn't do what I wanted it to do. Or if uh, I was trying to use a software program and I didn't really understand it. And I was trying to find something and I'd find this frustration, you know, where you ball your fist and you squeeze your forehead and you maybe let out a roar. Well, that's really where it is. And if left untreated or unresolved, this feeling that goes in day in and day out, if a person doesn't address it or isn't addressed for them, can lead to things like cardiovascular disease, uh, lots of stress and anxiety, certainly, and even depression. These things come just from going to work. And we spend most of our time at work. We spend most of the time with the people that we work with. I know some of you out there say, well, this is what I do. I have to provide for my family. I have to do this. This is the only job that I have. This is the only thing, the only trade that I know. And the problem with that mindset is that you're more than your job. Your unique talents are not defined by the one job that you do, even though you spend a lot of time there. But if you're detached, cynical, feeling exhausted, and you're not performing, then why are you going in? If it's just to make money, well, this is a, an op- this is a, a topic for another podcast, but if it's just for money, know that there's abundance everywhere everywhere. I was mentioning, I was checking out at a, uh, a store the other day and I mentioned something and maybe I need to <laughs> filter what I say sometimes. But I, I said to the cashier, I told her, hey, you know, that's not even really money as I paid her with my Apple Pay. I paid her with my phone. And she looked at me, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, I was paid digitally, you know, whether it would be through all the different um, services that are out there or direct deposit or the different apps said so most of my income i never see a dollar of it i don't even see a check i just see it digitally show up in my account and then here i come to you with my phone which has its own encryptions and and policies to keep it safe but then i paid you and then you your company pays their bills or it goes into their accounts and it's all digital currency which I realize there is a financial backing part of it, a piece of it that has to do with gold, but I think we're far removed from that now where really abundance is such a state of mind that we shouldn't stay in a job or stay in a, a career that we're feeling detached from, cynical from, just because of money. So that's where my story coming towards you began. I then said, I'm, I'm done with this. I need to find happiness. And those who know my story, I, I'll repeat it in, in a summary. But at that point, I purchased a ticket to move to India. It seems like a far stretch, right? 
But for me, that is what was calling me to reconnect to myself. To reconnect to me meant going deep. It meant going into places where I could explore spirituality, movement, breath, and change those patterns. So let's talk a little bit about that. Some of the coping or preventative strategies that you can do if you're starting to notice that you are feeling symptoms of burnout. Now, the first one is try working less. Now, this may not be a solution for you. You may not have the ability to work less. You may not have the freedom in your schedule to work less. But maybe I even offer just that to your employer saying, hey, I need to cut back my schedule. I need to cut down on how many days a week I work or I need to cut down my work day. And if you outline it in a way that says, I'm not feeling productive, I spend most of my day doing this, just open communication with your employer is key here. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit. But keeping that line of communication open saying, I, I'm not uh, as productive as I could be and I would be more productive if this were what my work week and work day looked like. We need to remove ourselves from wearing one of the, the a mask that is the, the based on achievement. So when I moved to India, I decided that my life was to be one of the life of service. And that is where my achievement would come from. It didn't have to do with money or materials or things or likes or um, shares or content. It, it didn't have anything to do with that. It had to do with how I feel empowered and worthy was based on how much I give. So you could maybe look at that. Are you, are you being driven by money? Are you being driven by um, words of affirmation? Are you being driven by accomplishment, service? And I think when we, when we really start to come into service to others, and even no matter what your job is, even me in, in, the, in the software industry, if I wanted to say, you know, I'm offering this and as I help other um, clients with the service that I provide, that's where I feel empowered. It's a matter of mindset. And at the time I wasn't feeling that I hadn't gone to India yet to learn uh, all the things that I have learned now, but um, try working less and try moving away from wearing that achievement mask. Now, if that is not possible, you can take more breaks in the day. You can get up from your desk. You can move, remove yourself from the room. You can take a walk around the building. You can connect with nature. So just changing these patterns that are not, I go in, I sit down, I get up at lunch, and I come back, and then I go home. We need to break the patterns so that we're not in this routine of detachment. Another uh, coping or preventative strategy is just to invest more time in yourself or invest more in you. So this might mean that you reward yourself every paycheck with something. For me, it's an experience. For you, it might be a material thing or it might be you know something something else that you like to reward yourself with like a dinner or a dessert or just whatever it is that you want to reward yourself with. 
that is that feeling of accomplishment, like I've done this and I didn't do this just so I could go grocery store shopping and so I could pay my bills. Those are all important, but knowing that it's, that abundance is everywhere, all those things will get fulfilled when we start moving into that mindset. But still, invest in yourself. That's going to create a feeling of gratitude. Gratitude for the employer, gratitude for the paycheck even. Happy that it's coming. And, be, and because it's coming, you can reward yourself. So try working less if possible. Remove yourself from the achievement mask or the achievement-based rewards. Take more breaks. Slow down. And invest more in yourself. I know when I wanted to take more breaks, I ended up getting a stand-up chair. You know, like a stand-up desk and stand-up chair. And that really helped me to not feel stagnant, even though I was still down the road of burnout. That really, really helped so I didn't feel like I was slumped over in a desk. Maybe it might be an alternative for you. Now, social support is another uh, great coping and preventative strategy. Just having social support. What that means is, is that you're communicating how you're feeling to your colleagues, your friends, and even your boss. It seems like a tough one, right? We have to be open and be vulnerable and just really be honest. This is one going to be one of the most empowering things that you can do is simply saying, I feel burned out. See, when we hold it in because we're afraid that if we say that we're burned out, that our employer won't like us or they'll think that we're ready to quit or maybe they'll fire us because we say that, we're taking the wrong route, the wrong route to the solution. If we communicate saying, hey, I really love what we do, we're doing here. I love the product. I love the people. But I am having these feelings that are drawing me away from loving this job the way I used to. You know, because when we, we first get employed, we, we show up and we're early and maybe we stay late. And then we maybe work through lunch and we're doing this to sort of impress those around us, our peers and our, and our colleagues. And we're trying to impress them and we're trying to maybe get to that first tier where we get an extra commission or we get an extra bonus. And we're just working really hard because we're motivated and we haven't burned out yet. The problem is with that strategy is by working more, pushing ourselves more in a, in a job that we're just learning, we'll create burnout very quickly. We'll start to lose steam maybe within months. What I found is every job that I've ever done, I usually go pretty hard for about a, about a year. And then, yeah, you, you learn, you kind of plateau, and, and then you start to move into burnout. Now, I don't know if this is the way that our job market is now, but from my observation and where I sit, things have changed. There used to be a time where you would go to college, you would work a nine to five job, and you would do that job for you know 20 years, 25 years. You'd retire, they'd give you a plaque, and they would give you a retirement. Maybe you'd have a pension and a life insurance policy in there, and you would have all these things that came from your 20 years of service to the X corporation. 
Well, things have changed. And especially in this technology age where to work a job for 20 years is not really all that beneficial. Now, if you're doing that and it serves you, great. If this serves you, I'm not here to tell you that it is wrong for you. But what I'm finding is that in a technology age, and especially in in a technological industry, your resume is more valuable with more opportunities and experiences and trainings and interactions with people. And usually that's anywhere between three to five years. What I'm finding, at least in what I do now for with, with yoga and breath work and meditation, is that if I were to be at a place for a long time, it does create network, it does create friendships, and it does serve me in a way to where I can have retreats with people who are coming and going and um, people who are listening, at least, to, for my events and, and whatnot. But I need to always be creating new experiences. And to do the same thing the same way will put me in kind of in the rears of what the competitors are doing. So I'm always wanting to be in the forefront, always constantly evolving, always changing. You may find that in your career that it only really serves you, especially if you're a contractor, to do something for about a year, then make a change. As an example, I run a, an event called Yoga on Tap. This is a brewery yoga event, and we don't do it every month. We do it about every six weeks, and every so often it just doesn't show up for a month. And we add something else, another class that I call bubbly yoga, which is a yoga brunch. I offer these events in rotation on purpose because it creates an allure, it creates an energy, and it creates a desire. There is some value in being consistent. But for me, in my experience, it's always better to be evolving, changing, and creating What this also does is it prevents burnout for me. So as I communicate with colleagues, as I communicate with vendors, and I talk to them about how I'm feeling, I create separation for myself. Now, I may be in a different situation, but we have to do that. We have to create that environment and even... (laughs) With this podcast, it makes me laugh, I had to take a break this last week. If you notice, it's been over a week since I've posted because I was having feelings of burnout relating to my online content, Um, posting a lot of meditations, doing a lot of online sessions, recording podcasts, booking guests, and I was having a hard time maintaining momentum and enthusiasm. I had guests who had canceled on me or um, just had changes in their plans. And I had classes, physical live classes of yoga that were not performing well and they weren't serving me and my purpose. So I had to make some hard choices. One of them was dropping two classes that I teach on a weekly basis because they just weren't serving me. 
Another was cutting back my live sessions. And then I took a, a week-long break from posting on the podcast so that I can show up motivated, enthusiastic, and excited. Just like those strategies, but just by taking a small break. Now, this may be a break during your weekday, or you may take a week break or a couple days to just be able to come back just as enthused as you were when you first started. So when I first started this podcast, right out of the gate, excited, booking guests, we were twice a week, and I started to find hesitation, frustration even, hardship. You know, with guests not booking and even having a hard time um, with listenership and so forth. So um, certainly a, a difficult task. And now I'm back. I'm very excited to be here and I'm excited to share and do more work with um, the patron account that we have with Podbean. And I'm excited with all my meditations and the book club that I'm doing on Insight Timer. And so we find ways to take a break and come back by just communicating that with others um, is a great strategy. Another one is really just prioritize your time with your social circle. So I've noticed when um, I have friends who work a lot and they're really proud of the material things they have, some of them, and they, they say, yeah, I would do that, but I gotta work, I got this thing, I gotta do this other thing, gotta go to this place, I have to work at this place, and this is in my former corporate life where material things were quite important, but I noticed that I was doing that too because, you know, I wanted to have the nice car, the nice condo, the nice stuff. And I wasn't prioritizing my time with my social circle, my friends, my family, specifically not my family. I lived on the other side of the country and I was missing uh, weddings and I was missing childbirths and I was really detached from my social circle which made me feel as though I was living you know alone in Florida even though I had people around me people who knew me people who actually I knew people that knew me that I didn't know them you know it was very um, connected but I was disconnected socially at least with prioritizing my time all my time was spent with just working and socializing while at work, and then it was disconnect. So this is kind of where we get into some of the things that end up happening. I mean, I, I know that as we we talked about some of those symptoms where we feel disconnected, you know, we may start to move towards habits that are not as productive, watching, you know, isolating ourselves and watching something on television, watching late at night, drinking daily, and disconnecting and isolating ourselves just because we're feeling this detachment from work. And just by taking breaks, honoring ourselves with vacations um, is a really great way to come back. Back to your social support circle. I don't know the statistic, and I probably should have looked this up before we started talking, but I know from my own personal standpoint that at least in in the in America, normal time off is about two weeks a year. It's about the vacation and the holiday time that you get. I know in some countries in, in Europe and others, 30 days is more. Down in South America, 30 days off is is quite important. I'm not sure. Maybe some of my listeners here, you can let me know how much time off you get per year. 
as awarded by your hard work, you know, from your employer. But what I found is a lot of employees, and especially me, didn't want to take these holidays or these vacations because we would feel as though we had more work to do when we came back. So taking those two weeks off, because we're so involved in working hard, detached from our social circle, detached from ourselves, creating bad health habits, that if we were actually to do something good for ourselves and take time off, we would feel as though we're behind or letting our employer down. And we need to embrace the idea that we're not here on this planet, in this incarnation, to work ourselves to death. Death is inevitable, and we will certainly meet death at the end of our beautiful life. What we don't want to do is spend the time in between, in stress, in anxiety, in places that disconnect us from our friends and family and disconnect us from ourselves. We need to take our vacations. <laughs> we need to go and explore the world. Many of us have not even explored outside of the state that we live in. We got to do that. And maybe maybe that's going to be the, the theme of my upcoming retreat is we'll, we'll say, get out of the state that you live in. I'll give it a fun name about exploring the world. But so this moves into some of our, our strategies to, to coping. We talked about getting into changing those patterns, if you can, investing time in self, social support, communicating that with your friends, family, and your social support group, but also finding some relaxation strategies. For me, breath work has been a key element to relaxation strategies. Now, even though my my job is that of uh, you know podcaster and yogi and breath worker we still we all have stresses we all still have things that, that stress us out and for me morning breath work has been key i keep a, an alarm on my phone i'm sure all makes and models of phones have these but you can set your alarm and you make it so it doesn't have a a sound it just has the pop-up on your screen and i've made little pop-ups come up and one of mine that goes off first thing in the morning is it says do your breath work it's actually a little bit more explicit than that but it says it basically is telling me i better do my breath work because that is that is my pattern for the day i need to do that to show up in the world so doing breath work has been a really great relaxation strategy especially if you have a, a hard day ahead of you what happened yesterday happened yesterday, and you know that's about being life as an observer here as we talk about you know kind of letting some of that stuff go, letting the past go and moving into our present so we can remember our future, which is one of Joe Dispenza's great quotes about remembering our future, stepping into the eternal now. But breath work really helps with that. So does yoga. Yoga is usually the tool that people find the most mind opening and they find it as the most accessible because it's quite easy to find a yoga class maybe a little harder to find a breathwork class um, maybe even harder to find a meditation class which i'll get to here in a second but yoga is quite accessible you can find it at any you know local studio most gyms um, i happen to work at a climbing gym a place where you may not expect to find yoga you can find it 
anywhere if you want it. And when I'm, if you're finding that you're hitting any of those symptoms of burnout, my first recommendation, if you were asking for my opinion, I would tell you, go to a yoga class immediately because you're probably going to get some breath work. You're going to get that connection back to yourself. And you're going to, if the instructor is at all mindful, will offer a shavasana where you can connect through meditation and and moving into that space of the the body, mind, and soul. Now, meditation is probably the number one um, relaxation strategies that I'd recommend. The problem is, is that it's usually a really hard one to start with. It's it's I watch it in in class all the time where. I see people who really struggle with that quiet time alone. And especially if you're feeling burnout, especially if you're feeling anxiety and stress, to sit even for just a few moments is hard because your to-do list pops back up and all the things that you need to do to, to impress your employer and all the things you're going to do to distract yourself from even being at work. And meditation is a practice that will help, but you need to get there first. So that's why I say yoga is the way to kind of maybe physically exhaust our body and to be mindful about our movements, but then to find meditation in your last moments of class for Shavasana. I offer a lot of meditations on um, Insight Timer and some other platforms, um, even uh, even on uh, YouTubes and so forth, but there's a lot of teachers out there. You can message me and ask me if there's a particular meditation that I would recommend for burnout. I think I'm going to create one after this podcast that will be on my that'll be on my Insight Timer page, and you can look for it there as a place to to find that a little bit of relief. But another tool that I've found that works really well, and this may be a harder one to to come across, is the the art of floating. And I have a friend of mine who owns a float center here in Southern Utah. And I had been in a, a float before. Um, I'd been in one that's kind of like the, the deprivation pods. And it, and it, it was okay. Uh, it, it's not that I disliked it. I just, um, maybe at the time I wasn't in the space to, to receive it. Um, what really lured me there is he also has a cold tank or an ice bath. So for me... I really like ice baths. I do a lot of work with Wim Hof method and um, other breathing techniques. Uh, and I teach a lot of breath work and cold immersion and cold experience, taking people into the cold with hikes and water and into the snow. There's lots of ways that I like to do that. So it w- that was really appealing to me, but they also have these saltwater tanks. Now the ones they have are these open, um, open room type of tanks not no no pods or doors um really quite open you can choose the music or you can have no music it's up to you and it's heavily um salted so it's even more than like an ocean or the great salt lake it, uh, you can lay in it and it you know, it'll float you so especially if you're having um maybe even body image issues or if you're having hard time quieting the mind, which I, I don't like to use quieting the mind because I think our mind never quiets, but I think witnessing or observing the mind into a place of stillness or from that eye of the storm, if you're having a really hard time with that, floating is quite a great tool 
to bring us into presence and allows you the ability to really turn off some of the senses so that you can go inward because you don't have to worry about sitting up, you know, finding the great pillow or you're just floating. And if you choose music, you can tune into that or tune out from that. Sometimes I like to use the light as a way of concentration meditation, just like Dharana, just looking at the light um, or you can turn the light off. Um, not a promotion for them by any means, but if you're ever in Southern Utah, there is a wonderful float center here that you can utilize and you can look at different float centers that maybe are in the, the city or town near you. Music and art are also really great relaxation strategies. So when I say music, it could be whatever is appealing to you, but what I would recommend is that that is designed to tap into the frequencies of your body. So using binaural beats or utilizing soft and calming instrumental music. I have several artists that I would recommend if you message me. I do this often. And sometimes it's just very shamanic drumming because that's what I need. It, that, it feels like it pulls the energy out of me so that I can find presence in the spaces in between the drum beats. And for me, I, I have... A lot of different music that I like and use and, and uh, that I make. You know, I make and use them in my meditations. Find an artist that works for you that is calming and that maybe doesn't have words. Um, this allows you to not concentrate on the words of the song and just simply the frequency or the vibration from the music. And then art. Art is, if, is really for everyone. It does, you don't need to be someone who is a great artist to create art. I think those who are out there that are artists would tell you this. Just start somewhere because you don't know what your medium is going to be. I go back and forth between painting and building and planting flowers and working on a project and wood burning and poetry and writing and making meditations and making music. And I, I, I see all those as art and I go back and forth between them. There's not a one medium that I say, I am an acrylic artist. I don't say that. I just do what feels good that day and just stepping into art. So in addition to relaxation strategies, we have to prioritize our health and offering ourselves exercise, which could come in the form of yoga. It could come in the form of running, walking, cycling, Whatever it is that you like to do. Now, I would recommend that, that some of that exercise be outdoors. I like to climb. I like to paddleboard. I like to just explore nature. And there is a really amazing thing that happens. Those who are connected to nature would probably nodding their heads right now. But there's a really amazing thing that happens when you get into nature and exercise. When you're a part of it, when you're immersed in it, when you're climbing or hiking or even just walking on a trail that is going to do so much more for you than just walking on a sidewalk. Getting your feet into the dirt and earthing or across the grass if you go to a, a grassy field. If you're feeling burned out, nature can heal. Now, moving into you're prioritizing your health, that feels really good. You could step into gratitude as you're doing that, saying I'm really 
grateful for my body and that I can work on myself and then I can work on my body. But I also am connected to this community of flowers and plants and trees that are all around me that are supporting me. And if you're feeling a little bit isolated, let them be your friends. I certainly do. I, when I walk out, I'm very grateful for the trees that, cr- that create shade for me. I look at them as friends. And the, the trails that have been put up, in the, especially here where I live, amazing, amazing mountains and rock faces and just geo, um, just, just the geography and the topography of this land makes me grateful. And it is a great place to be if you're feeling burned out. I've done that. I did that this last week when I was just feeling a little bit overwhelmed by content creation and community support that I needed to support. And I said, you know, I I just need to be whole for myself for just a minute, even turning off my phone and being whole for myself because that was more important so that I can now show up for others. We're going to deplete ourselves if we don't do that. And nature is the only, (laughs) the only place I almost wanted to say person because the only entity that is not going to deplete you. It actually charges you up and refills you. Something else that is important is that you don't neglect your sleep. And I talk about this, I think I did a mindful episode, uh, one of my first episodes with this podcast, when we talked about some of the strategies just to being mindful. And one of them is not staying up late watching television or looking at your phone and kind of creating a boundary around when you use your phone and where you use your phone. I'm really grateful for those who understand me (laughs) that I don't really look at my phone before 9 a.m. or after 9 p.m. It's put away, that the television's not on, that these are not distractions that are going to keep me awake and keep me up away from the sleep that I need so that I can show up the next day. Not just show up for people, but show up for myself and so that I don't feel burned out. I, I can't imagine creating from a place of being depleted and sleep deprived. I, I, it would be very difficult and you would feel like that you're forcing something. You're trying to make something happen only because you're supposed to, like it's your job. So you got to create this class. So for me, for yoga, I got to create this playlist. I got to create this new flow. I got to be creative so that people want to come. I have to advertise this class. And you can see there's just, there's this cycle of creation and working more, but creating the same. And so you have to find that balance a little bit and say, you know what, an old playlist is just fine. (laughs) And uh, a flow that I've done before is just fine. And for me, taking time off of content creation for my online uh, presence is okay, right? It's it's okay that I I didn't uh, bring a new podcast last week. Even though I do wanna commit to doing it every week, I'd rather produce a, a, a podcast for you that is full of information, that feels enthusiastic than, than it is contrived and is depleting. So showing up with the proper amount of sleep will not only help you with feeling motivated, 
but you'll be able to tap into an area of yourself that is maybe even more creative. I like to use my mornings as a, as a way to start with momentum. So instead of putting on yesterday's news, yesterday's attitude as I put on my clothes for the day, I like to put on tomorrow and really wake up with momentum. So starting with breath work, meditation, affirmations are usually how I eat my breakfast. I have them on and just ways to really help start the day with momentum and enthusiasm so I can combat burnout. Burnout can happen anywhere, friends. It doesn't need to be just a really stressful job. Burnout can happen even to yoga teachers. It can happen to mindfulness instructors. It can happen to retreat leaders. It can happen to all of us. So as you feel these symptoms of burnout, exhaustion is one, cynicism and detachment two, and lack of accomplishment three. Move into ways that you can prevent and cope by changing your patterns, looking towards social support from those who care about you, prioritizing the time with them, and finding relaxing strategies that work for you, that work for your environment, work for you as your time allots, and prevent, um, preventing burnout by prioritizing your health and exercise and maybe even getting into nature. These are the ways that I, that I choose to, to show up and how I choose to, to not find myself burned out, at least in, in where I'm at now. I'm sure that as we, as we evolve and progress, there will be other opportunities for me to feel those same feelings of burnout. Tough times never last though, but tough people do. That's Robert Schuller told us that, that tough times never last, but tough people do. Step into your strength, friends. Step into your strength, which might be just communicating how you're feeling. Best of luck this week in combating burnout. See you next time.